Topic today, socialism. Let's debate. All right, I'm gonna bring in uh, both our right winger and our left winger on the right, uh, Jorge Galicia. He is a speaker for both TFA, TFAS and the Dissident Project. Uh, and on the left, Max Burns, Democratic strategist and founder of Third Degree Strategies. So guys, you know the rules, but let me tell you the audience real quick. No filibustering, I'm gonna uh, keep a rough clock uh, on this. And uh, and you gotta listen to the moderator and no personal attacks, okay? So. Uh, since the topic is socialism, uh, I love the first question here because everybody's got a different answer. Jorge, I'll start with you. What is socialism? Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. It is an incredible honor. And for me, well, socialism is a system where basically the government owns uh, the means of production uh, with the purpose of redistributing um, the wealth uh, in a more equality and better. That's supposed to be the the mission, but of course, it, every time it is implemented, it fails. Okay, uh, Max, what is socialism? Uh, that is actually a little bit closer to communism. Uh, my sense of socialism, how it's used at least in America, is government providing services that are otherwise, uh, some would say, better provided by the private sector. And this is something that's a mainstream in most of the world and is regarded as very strange uh, here in the United States. So Max, um, to be fair to the right wing, there are varying definitions of socialism. And some people, even on the left, perceive socialism as an effort to eradicate capitalism and have most, if not the entire economy, run by socialism. So, how do we know what's the real socialism? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a wide range of political opinion on this, not just in how it's defined. But in how it's implemented and whether that is bad or not, you find socialism by talking to people in the countries where we're looking at, talking to people in the United States who identify as socialists and see that as, in their minds, a government that has some larger responsibility in healthcare, has some larger responsibility in regulating private industry, not in destroying capitalism so much as supplanting some of its weaker spots. And that's at least how socialism is really viewed in the mainstream in America. Jorge, what do you think are the dangers of socialism? Well, for me, the main danger of socialism is the destruction or the abolition of private property. You know, I came from a place where, thanks to this kind of mentality, we see how we saw how the government. By the way, I came from Venezuela. I don't know if I if. Uh, we met, we met, we clarified that, but uh, in Venezuela, I saw how the government back in the 2000s started to confiscate thousands and thousands of private businesses within Venezuela, and by doing so, they basically destroyed our individual liberty because liberties, um, liberty without private property is basically impossible to to have. And thanks to this, well, we saw all of the collapse that we. Uh, that's the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm here. You know, I was an advocate for freedom in Venezuela because I basically stopped uh, eating properly. I was not, uh, my quality of life decreased so bad thanks to these uh, politics that were uh, promoted by Hugo Chavez and then by Nicolas Maduro. And, who, what, and all of these politics, by the way, were, uh, you know, cheered by a lot of uh, leftist uh, politicians here in the United States, especially during the 2000s when they seemed to be working, right? But uh, for me, well, the danger of socialism is is that the the, the abolition of uh, of individual liberty at the end. 
So I'm gonna stay with you for a second, Jorge. Um, you said uh, a lot of businesses were seized. What do you mean by that? Were industries nationalized or was it the, uh, the, the business, uh, probably the businessmen involved um, were, were not supportive of the administration? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I would say, of course, that there was there were some minor um, sector of uh, of capitalistic uh, of the of the capitalistic society that actually supported Hugo Chavez and Maduro, and maybe they didn't suffer the the consequences that hard. But of course, I mean, a big majority of of, of the business community inside of Venezuela did suffer all of this. Uh, Confiscations, um, and, you know, many of them weren't weren't even repaid by the government by the time they were being confiscated. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically what happened. They they just uh, took their properties, and, and and there was no legal action for these people to defend themselves. Okay, Max, uh, Venezuela is a mess. So, is that a fair yeah. point uh, that socialism uh, did not deliver for Venezuela? Yeah, I mean, listen, I have a great deal of, of respect for where Jorge's coming from. Had I grown up in Venezuela, I would likely have a very dim view of socialism as well. Uh, but in America, what we're talking about is not this kind of Venezuelan, Cuban, North Korean totalitarian socialism. It's the same kind of government's practice throughout much of Europe, including a lot of the Scandinavian countries Republicans were looking at for advice on COVID. Uh, we're not advocating this totalitarian system. And in fact, in this country, a lot of young people in both parties are moving to the left to escape that kind of totalitarianism that they see in full display among Republicans here. So Jorge, what about Max's point that the version you're talking about is not the version that's in America or Northern Europe, where you have stable governments and the government does a couple of things more than in a purely capitalist system. Not that any purely capitalist system actually exists. Um, and so it's not anywhere near the threat that you're saying it is. Yeah, I do agree that, I mean, probably his um, his views or many people within the Democratic PR party views are not nearly as the same as whatever Hugo Chavez and Maduro are doing. But my problem, however, is that you have, people have to understand that Venezuela didn't became what it is today from one day to another. And before Hugo Chavez, you know what brought Hugo Chavez to, 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 to power in the first place? During the 70s and during the 80s and the 90s, we implemented a huge welfare state that everybody was you know, happy, a lot of people were. And this was done by democratic means. They all, our oil um, industry was nationalized back in the year 75. And during this year, well, the government started to spend like crazy. Uh, free college for everybody, free healthcare for everybody. A lot of these things that a lot of leftist people uh, are advocating for here in America. We had all of that even before Hugo Chavez, but guess what? It became unsustainable. We started to suffer from inflation problems. With the the business community started to just uh, reallocate their 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 businesses outside of Venezuela because taxes were. Uh, you know, really high. The the, the monetary uh, uh, you know environment in Venezuela became started to decrease. A lot of people started to become to become uh, poorer and poorer. And this in, in this environment, this is where Hugo Chavez actually you know they, he saw the opportunity and he said, and he 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 said to people, hey, look at this, capitalism is failing to you. Elect me, and I'm going to 
um, you know, fix all of that. And by the way, he, he, he the way he became popular is by he, he tried to overtake the government by the use of, of, of military force. So he never paid any consequence for doing this. But however, what I'm saying is thanks to the, all of these uh, ideas of, uh, you know, of the, having this state of taking care of, you know, healthcare, college or all of these other great uh, uh, spheres of life that led Venezuela into when you know the hard version of socialism that we have today, because at least according to Hugo Chavez, the reason why Venezuela was doing bad during the 90s and it is true it was doing kind of bad was because of, of capitalism, but it was never capitalism. It was always government mismanagement and government overspending. So Max, what do you say to this domino effect theory, where if you do a welfare state, it leads to more socialism, more socialism until you get to Venezuela's state today? I think there, there's actually an interesting point that Jorge made in there is that in that story in the timeline, it's not so much the, the universal health care or the better roads that, that turn people against the democratic system. It's a leader who's willing to capitalize on inequalities economically, on unhappiness domestically to seize power. And we had a situation like that just over a year ago on January 6th. But it was not socialists and lefties who were attacking the government trying to overthrow our system. That was Republicans who had pledged to protect these institutions. It was in fact all of the socialists who were aghast that that kind of thing would have happened. And to this day, they paid no consequence for that. There's been no sign that that will be punished at all. And it's something that really reflects, I think what Jorge is saying is that this is an issue of leaders. And it's an issue of character and that if a system is jeopardized by those leaders, they can easily exploit it to take power regardless of what your economic model is. So Jorge, you know, you mentioned oil as well. And, and obviously in Venezuela, that's an enormous part of the puzzle. So when oil prices were high, uh, socialism seemed to be working under Hugo Chavez. Oil prom prices plummet and all of a sudden Venezuela collapses. And and then you talked about totalitarianism, which Max just referred to. So is it possible that it's more the fluctuation of oil and the drive towards totalitarianism that's causing the problem rather than socialism? No, I don't, I don't believe in that. I mean, look at Norway, for example. Norway also have a vibrant oil sector. And when whenever oil prices go down, you don't see this kind of mess going on in a place like Norway because they have a diversified enough economy, right? The problem in Venezuela is that we didn't manage to to accomplish that because when, when Hugo Chavez took place, he managed to basically uh, um, you know confiscate all of the all of these private businesses that were doing uh, you know that were profitable and were uh, somehow helping us to diversify the economy and they Hugo Chavez basically made us more dependent on oil. And you know, when you look at, at the Norwegian example, for example, I, 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 have, I have read a little bit about it. Um, by the way, their oil industry is also owned uh, by the state, but they took a very different approach when it comes to managing the, the profits. They didn't use all of the oil revenues to just uh, subsidize uh, whatever, I don't know, college or medicine or whatever. They just took all of this money and they reallocated in the in the in the global uh, financial market they bought uh, different stocks and they have this massive uh, sovereign wealth fund and that and after they save a lot of money they are actually using that money to well um, to finance all of their 
um, welfare state, right? But it, I mean, you, they first save a lot of money and then they are using that money to to finance different things. Here in the United States, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have that. We're dealing with a horrible deficit problem. The, the debt is growing every single year, regardless of which our administration is in power. And by the way, a lot of um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm I consider myself a, I'm a conservative. I'm a fiscal conservative, and uh, I went, you know I feel like fiscal conservatism is kind of being forgotten inside of the Republican Party, uh, and and we we as conservatives need to fight against that. I mean, not a lot of people is talking enough about this, but whenever until we don't fix that problem, that monetary issue, and then we're already seeing some of the consequences when we see inflation, for example. Uh, we, we we cannot start proposing you know uh, free housing or free healthcare or free college tuition because we cannot I don't, I don't believe we can afford it at least right now. Max, uh, what do you think about the example of Norway? Well, I think that there's a great point there that socialism is popular because in many ways the system we have right now is completely failing to meet needs. Uh, there's concern that more Americans, especially younger Americans, in both parties are starting to view socialism favorably, that they're starting to equate it more with Norway and Scandinavia and less with North Korea. And that's not socialism's fault. It's the fault of a system that is wildly unrepresentative economically, where people can't earn a living wage, where they feel that the system is rigged against them, where they see these handouts to the ultra rich and yet cannot get a COVID stimulus check to save their lives. That's what drives people to view socialism favorably. And that's a problem that capitalism needs to correct in itself. Uh, the, the answer is not to make it harder to access socialism. It's to either fix capitalism or start listening to some suggestions. Jorge, doesn't the Norwegian example go against some of your earlier points? Because uh, uh, Norway is considered socialist uh, by almost all other countries. And, uh, and now it's not the same kind of uh, socialism that you have in Venezuela or North Korea, but that's because What's mixed in with North Korea and and to a large extent in Venezuela is totalitarianism, and so and Norway does have a very strong welfare state as you acknowledged. So doesn't that go a little bit against what you were saying earlier? No, I don't believe it goes against. First of all, I mean I don't believe Norway is an example of socialism. You have a vibrant capitalist economy working on there. And you know their their government their government is not uh, running on debt to finance every single thing that they do uh, because they manage to actually first save a lot of money. Um, however, I don't know if their model is actually something we can could emulate here in the in the United States. You have to take into account things like the amount the the number of the of the population that they have in a, a small place like Norway and compare you have to compare that to whatever we have here. Um, you know the, how diverse the the the, the U.S. Uh, uh, is as a, as a country compared com, if, when, and, and you, when you compare it, you, you make the contrast with a place like Norway. I mean, it, it is not. A, I don't believe it, it is something that we can emulate one by one, uh, uh, right? But but nevertheless, even if you actually try to do so, I don't believe whatever Norway has is is socialism. And my concern is, you know, a lot of. Politicians in the left, they claim, yeah, we want to be like, like Norway, like Finland, like whatever. But you know, many of these countries actually have like freer economies than than the one we have right now in the U.S. And when and now when these very same people say to be advocating for, 
I don't know, they're Norwegian style or whatever. You know, whenever some, for example, they praise people like uh, like uh, Castillo, the president of Peru, who was recently elected, they celebrated that. And he is nowhere near whatever he's proposing and he's doing in Peru is nowhere near uh, to the Norwegian style or whatever. Or, or they praise Fidel Castro or they praise Hugo Chavez or they advocate for, uh, I don't know, rent control or or. I mean, a lot of policies and a lot of their ideas do not really resonate to whatever they have in countries like Norway or or or, or this, uh, Finland or whatever. I think this conversation partly proves what we started with, which is that I don't think anyone really knows what socialism is. Uh, whenever uh, the right wing says socialism, I think they mean something completely different than when the left wing says socialism. I mean, if we can't even agree if Norway is socialist or not, uh, that shows you part of the problem with this entire conversation. And no one's ever corrected it, right? no one's ever clarified it in mainstream press. But Max, uh, to Jorge's substantive point, he, he, I think that what he's part of what he's saying is, well, when you go further and further left, it always ends in disaster. So if you start with Norway, but then you start heading towards Venezuela and then Cuba and then North Korea, well, the, the communist governments certainly have proven to be a disaster. Uh, so uh, he's worried about, uh, I'll phrase it for him in, in, a, in a slightly different way, creeping socialism, if you will. Um, and that, that leads to that bad result. What do you say to that? Yeah, and I think that would be something to be worried about if anyone on the left in America was actually proposing that kind of socialism, almost communism approach. But they, they simply are not. I mean, they're proposing things that even by the standard of Europe are moderate. And if it is a, a socialist, very slow one. And I think it's it's just a very difficult thing for me to take seriously that we should be afraid of, of the secret socialist plot. When we literally have the far right authoritarian right banging down the doors of government buildings trying to take over the government. It seems to me that the clear and present threat of authoritarianism is Right there, it's just about correctly identifying which one it is. Well, it's a tiny bit off topic, but close enough. And Max mentioned that there. So, Jorge, does that concern you when you see the January 6th riots and trying to take over the building and talking about hanging the vice president? Doesn't that remind you a little bit of the totalitarianism you were trying to escape in Venezuela? Well, I mean, of course, I don't believe that socialists have like the monopoly on on, on totalitarianism or or doing bad things. I mean, um, I believe that either extreme is um, is equally wrong. And don't get me wrong, I actually supported a lot of the things that Trump did during his administration. But that last thing during January 6, I mean, that was the end for me. And I hope he doesn't. I really hope he doesn't win again the the, the nomination for 2024. But but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that we need to worry about. For I mean, and I see this tendency also inside of you know a lot of Republicans that they are trying to, for example, they say they have this claim that um, I don't know that Nazis Nazis were socialists. For example, I mean, even their name and when you read in their name, they actually were socialists there. But when you see when you compare compare what they're saying, like when they 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 don't believe in equalitarianism, they actually are saying that some in men or or, or or the you know that you wish are inferior men than what anybody else or stuff like that that doesn't sound really socialist to me so I mean we have to admit that you know the dangers come in different shapes and forms socialism is not the only danger that we're currently facing in my opinion 
So I try not to take sides as a moderator, but I will clarify that the Nazis were definitely right wing, not left wing. Um, so, uh, and, and yes, totalitarianism definitely exists on both sides when you get to the extremes. So um, now, uh, let me stay with you, Jorge, one more time here, because I'm trying to find the lines now. So Max mentioned earlier, uh, for example, universal health care. Now that is true in uh, the rest of the developed world and is considered more towards socialism because it's the government running health insurance. Um, but the rest of the developed world has it. So would you be okay with that or do you think that's too socialist? You're talking to me or? Yeah, Jorge, I'm talking to you. Oh, okay. No, I do, I I, I mean, I, I believe it is a good thing to want and I mean, it's a good dream to have, but I don't believe it, it is nowhere. I don't believe it is doable. Again, look at the deficit, look at the debt, look at the, the spending problem we currently have here in America. I don't believe the current model we are following is sustainable. And if we keep adding more stuff to the government to do, you know, if we keep uh, financing more stuff uh, for 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 freely to uh, you know to people, I, I I don't believe that's going to lead to anywhere uh, good. I believe right now we should be looking for places in our budget to make cuts, to 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 save money on different stuff, to 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 you know to bring back stability in the in the budget, to to try to stabilize it. Uh, you know, talking about uh, healthcare for free healthcare for everybody or college tuition or whatever. I don't believe that's the talking point that we should be promoting, at least not for now. Max, uh, how about you on drawing the line? Uh, you're obviously for single payer healthcare. All right, we understand that. But how far would you go? Would you nationalize any other industries? I think personally, when you're talking about nationalizing industries, that is is definitionally to me socialism. Whether that's wrong or not is is where the debate is. I think that you're you're right that that is something that would be socialist and also almost impossible to do in the United States. We have a poor track record with that. But I, I would say I think this is to your point revealing that socialism, at least in America, is very much like a vibe. You just sort of feel it when you feel it, and there's no firm lines here. And there's there's also no firm lines on what socialism is bad socialism, because we seem to have parts of it that some parties agree with, parts that others agree with, and some that just pretend that it is the worst thing to ever happen. So Max, let me stay with you one more time here. In in the UK, they go further than privatize. I'm sorry, socializing healthcare insurance, which almost like I said, the yep. entire developed world does, outside of us. Um, but they nationalized healthcare itself, doctors, hospitals, etc. Uh, so, would you be in favor of that? Yes, I would, and I think that it is. It is. This is one of the things that is the biggest scare line among uh, Republicans. This idea of national healthcare. But you look at our American healthcare system as if it's any prize, as if we're not spending the most of anyone in the world for some of the worst outcomes. I think changing this or at least running pilots to show that it's viable would be a great step forward. Okay, well, that's clear. Uh, Jorge, I don't have to ask you if you agree. I know you don't. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if, may I, if, I, if yeah, I may. Yeah, go ahead, add, real you know, quick. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, healthcare is a big issue. And what people really don't talk enough about is that, okay, yeah, healthcare is kind of really, you know, it's incredibly expensive here in America and we need to. Uh, fix a lot of things, but what people are not failing to mention is that the reason why healthcare is so 
you know, it's so expensive in America is because of government intervention and government protecting all of these big companies and pharma industry. And I mean, I do agree when I hear, for example, I don't know, AOC or Bernie Sanders, whenever they describe the problem, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with their solutions. For example, uh, I don't, I, the fact that Americans cannot import medicine from Canada, even despite the fact that it is three times cheaper in a place like Canada or other places in the, in the developed world, or the fact that uh, hospitals cannot be built uh, without the permission of other hospitals in the area. I mean, it's crazy stuff like that. That is not a real example of capitalism, but an example of of corporatism and protectionism. I believe that true free marketeers are should be against that, and we should promote real free market reforms for the healthcare system, not more nationalized stuff. Because you know, having the government involved is what is what what created all of these problems that people are complaining about. I think miraculously we've reached agreement at the end here. Uh, let me see if I can summarize and see if you both agree. Uh, what we have in America now is corporatism, uh, where corporations have captured the government uh, and and done monopolistic things that actually fight against the free markets. Um, uh, Jorge gave some excellent examples of it. And what Jorge is saying is, let's get rid of corporatism and move towards more capitalism, which is actually free markets, etc. And Max, you're saying, I think largely the same thing, except you would you would nationalize a couple of more industries and have a mixed economy. Do I understand that right? Yeah, I think that that's broadly correct. I don't know if I would personally be the one doing the nationalizing, but yeah, I think if we can agree and corporatism today, then we've made 80% of the progress to real solutions. Well, there you have yeah, it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, go ahead, Jorge. May I? I mean, if if we're going to agree to the fact that corporatism is the problem, then I would I believe that it make it really makes no sense to push for more nationalization and more government involvement because corporatism is already a product of government involvement. We should probably push for the opposite side. <laughs> yeah. So then we're going to get back into the disagreements. But okay, I like ending on corporatism. Definitely bad, bad for every part of the political spectrum, and of course. That's what dominates American politics. Oh well. Uh, okay, but you guys were amazing. Jorge Galicia and Max Burns, terrific debate. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. No yeah.